Christmas is coming and wrestling continues to deliver the festive feel-good moments as we roll towards the end of the year. A classic world title match on Raw, Randy Orton makes his choice on SmackDown and Adam Copeland and Christian Cage face off in Montreal for the first time in a generation. We're here to talk about it all on Earning the Push. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster alongside professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. And we were saying, Charlie, it feels like one of those times we can just take a breath after last week. Yeah, nothing earth-shattering or industry-defining has happened this week, has it? Which is quite nice for a week, actually. We can just catch up a little bit. It's been one of those... I can't remember how many times in, in the various versions of this pod we've been doing, we said, right, Vince McMahon has resigned. We can take a breath this weekend. Right, Vince McMahon is back. We can take a breath this weekend. But we think it's just a little bit quieter. But still... Plenty to talk about, so let's get into it. Kicking off with WWE, AEW talk to come up later. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on the socials. I'm Jack underscore Murley, and away we go with Seth Rollins and Jey Uso, where we'll start putting on a classic for the World Heavyweight Championship on Raw, which ended after a Rollins victory with Drew McIntyre putting Jey Uso through a table to continue his feud with the former Bloodline member. Charlie, we knew these two would deliver. We just knew it, and they did. Yeah, this was a brilliant, brilliant main event to what was actually an exceptional SmackDown, uh, not SmackDown, I've started well today, an exceptional episode of Raw from the start to the end. The wrestling was sensational. You had, obviously, you had Sammy versus Drew, which was a great match. Um, the two out of three falls, DIY versus Imperium. And, oh, you know I'll get excited to see DIY in a two out of three falls match. The Creed brothers just look sensational um, against uh, the Judgment Day. And then this main event was brilliant. The storytelling is great. Drew makes sense. Jay and Seth, both being faced, both going for the title makes sense. A brilliant match. But my favourite thing on Raw and my favourite thing at the moment is R-Truth trying to join the Judgment Day. He is com- I think it's brilliant. He's comedy gold. He is absolute comedy gold. The man can do no wrong. And actually, in, on such a wrestling-heavy show, and WWE is always variety, you need a little bit of R-Truth just coming in and doing it. And what a career he's made out of comedy spots. It's one of the best comedy wrestlers without being a parody of a wrestler. Like, he's still a serious, legit wrestler, but his absolute piece de resistance is how funny he can be while still being serious. Like, it's a unique talent he has, actually, and it's sensational to see. I'm really excited every week to see how he's going to try and join the Judgment Day. Um, And you just listen to the ovations he gets from the crowd. You can hear how happy the crowd are to see him. And it's replicated by us at home. Everyone loves seeing our truth back and they're using him in a very good and sensible and enjoyable way, I think, at the moment. People forget how good he was, former NWA champion. In uh, And for me, this is when WWE was in the doldrums. But I remember, was it Capital Punishment where he, yeah. he was evented, didn't he? main evented with John Cena? But this is, this is his niche. And I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that our truth is a future Hall of Famer. No, absolutely. I think he definitely, definitely is. And R-Truth getting things wrong, coming through all rumble with a ladder, for example, these sorts of these sorts of mistakes will always, always make me laugh. But going away from R-Truth, it was an exceptional roar. Can I just say, when Hunter was booking this backstage and he thought, I'll give the fans what they want, let's see what the dirt sheets and the wrestling pods are saying, I bet they didn't think we'd be kicking off with R-Truth. No, uh, but we are. And that shows how wrestling is, is a variety. <laughs> um, but no, main event, as you asked me about originally, it was a brilliant brilliant match like a 
if that had main evented uh, a pay-per-view, you wouldn't have left unhappy. You'd have gone, we've got a pay-per-view quality main event there. It was brilliant. Uh, I thought I bit on the false finish uh, of the spear and the splash. I genuinely thought that maybe uh, Jey Uso was going to take the title. Of course, Seth retained. It makes sense Seth retained. And then Drew coming in just clearing house at the end also makes sense. Drew, as a heel, makes so much sense at the moment. He is just sensational in that role. It's a weird one with Seth Rollins because Seth is up against a super babyface, Jey Uso, and I think we're right to say that Seth is maybe a bit below Jey in the babyface reactions from the crowds, maybe. He's probably a bit below CM Punk. Are we going to see a Seth turn sooner rather than later? I feel like one is brewing. I don't think so because I think Seth has carved out his niche of he's he's massively over as a babyface, I think. He's just actually in the era at the moment where there are some huge baby faces, but his aura and his niche are kind of just like, he's the working man's baby face off. I'll just be out here wrestling. Like I'm a really, really good wrestler. I've got the title. I'm going to defend it for you loads. I'll just be out here wrestling. I think I saw across a stat that across live events, pay-per-views and television matches, Seth has already defended his title 48 times, which is a incredible number of times. I don't think he's had it that many weeks yet. No. I think he's, he might be averaging over one defence a week, which is phenomenal, but also doesn't feel like the title has been made any less important because of that. So I think Seth Rollins, we, we all know the uh, question marks over his title at the start, especially you weren't particularly keen on it. And I actually think I was keen on the title. The reason they gave for bringing the title was just atrocious. It was the fact it was like, because Roman's not here, here's another one. Just rubbish, guys. But I actually think Seth Rollins was the perfect man to be the inaugural champion and has elevated this title to the absolute highest of his capabilities. I don't think he or anyone else could have made this title feel more important this quickly. Yeah, I would agree with that. I want to talk more about the babyface depth chart in WWE a bit later in the pod, because I may take a bit of issue with how over Seth Rollins is, but we can agree that Drew McIntyre as a wronged heel is is really shining, as you said. And one thing we didn't get to talk about last week was, was the feud that's going to probably take us to the rumble for Cody Rhodes between Cody Rhodes and Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, this is fantasy booking 101. It would have been four years ago. The idea we'd be seeing this w- would have just been ludicrous. But I love what they're doing with Shinsuke. Yeah, Shinsuke just seems like he's sort of in the background is like a reaper of souls looking to see who he needs to take vengeance on at the moment. I love they're just letting him speak Japanese and subtitling it because you can see the emotions pouring in. And yes, I can't understand what he's saying because I don't speak Japanese, but I can read the subtitles and I get more out of that with him giving it his full emotion and really performing than him having to do it in his broken English. So I absolutely love that. I love the character he is at the moment where, like I say, he's just seeing who he needs to wreak vengeance on and reaping it. And I like that there is no need for him to go and try and ruin Cody Rhodes' story because he never got to finish his. But if you are a bit of a prick, that is what you do. You'd go, I never got to finish mine. Why are we making such a big thing about you finishing yours? So it does make sense in that sense that since Shinsuke's a heel, he's being a bit of a prick, as I've said, and that's what you do. So I really like it. And then you get around to the two wrestlers uh, in question. This is going to be some really, really really good stuff. It's going to be high level, supreme. And because we've got a clear baby face and a clear heel, no shades of grey, no face versus face like we have with Seth against Jay. Um, I, I just think Shinsuke, I like my heels to have proper reasons for doing what they're doing. 
And I get it. He lost to AJ Styles at WrestleMania. He didn't finish his story. Okay, he went on a bit of a low blow-a-thon, which was a strange old time for his character, but he didn't do what Cody did, which is go on about not finishing his story week in, week out. It would grate on you. And, and I think, why not pair these guys up? Because as we'll talk about later, there is a long way to go until the Rumble. There's about seven weeks to go till the Royal Rumble, so they've got some wrestling to fill. Yeah, I could easily see them having one, if not two, matches before the Rumble, like main event a Raw with this, and then have their blow-off match at the Rumble. And I don't see a way where Cody Rhodes doesn't get the last win in this feud. Like, if you're going towards Roman, you've got to keep him strong. But absolutely, Shinsuke will pick up a win over Cody Rhodes during this feud, I think. I think he should. As much as you've got to keep Cody strong and he wins the feud, like... They are on the same level as wrestlers. Shinsuke Nakamura should be being competitive and picking up a win against Cody. And I'd quite like to see him do it clean. I'd like to see him do it clean and then maybe beat down Cody after or something, like in a heel way to easily set up another one or a third one with a stipulation or something like that. But I think you've got to keep Shinsuke strong. And I think a win over Cody Rhodes goes a long way in WWE now. And Cody's bulletproof. If Cody can survive the loss to Roman at WrestleMania and come back stronger, he can take a loss to Shinsuke. Would you want to see Cody and Shinsuke go at it at the Rumble then? Because I'm, if I'm going to see Cody win the Rumble, which I think is what we both think should happen, maybe, or at least one of the possibilities, I'm not sure I want to see him wrestle on the, the same night. I always feel that takes away from it if you do double duty. Like, why would he? Yeah. See, I don't think Cody wins the Rumble. Really? I think that story has been done. I don't think we copy and paste last year's story. I think I'd be tempted to have Punk win the Rumble and you get to Punk Rollins that way. And that'd be an all-time moment. It's one of the things you know he wants to do. I think Punk coming in early in the Rumble and going the long way would be a really good story. I'd, I would definitely have Cody Rhodes in the last few in the Rumble. So you, you, you feed into that. But yeah, I, I don't think... Cody needs to win the Rumble. And if I was booking, I wouldn't have him win the Rumble because I think there are, you, you've got to get to two world title matches somehow. And actually, if you want to continue to make the World Heavyweight Championship feel important, have the winner of the Rumble choose the World Heavyweight Championship. That again gives it some more credence and some more, like, more importance in the company. So that's the way I'd go. But I also absolutely see why you do Cody wins the Rumble again for the perfect sort of story. But I think if you were going to do the perfect fairy tale, you do it last year. I feel like the whole story now is this hasn't been perfect. This isn't the fairy tale, but I have to get to the end somehow by any any means necessary. I'd, I'd almost be tempted to do a almost a Michaels esque thing with Cody not winning the Rumble, of him just go berserk. Yeah, because he's so reasoned even in the moments where afterwards it was a, oh shucks I didn't win but I'll come back stronger. Actually, we've we've not seen Cody. I mean, we've seen so much good stuff from Cody, but you're right. We've not seen that grit that, oh my God, it's all falling apart. Like we've not seen his confidence shaken. Yeah. And you could very easily tell. So you could have Cody feud with Shinsuke up to the Rumble, have a few, um, have a few matches with him, that sort of stuff. And then feed into the story of Cody be out there saying like, having me a deal with Shinsuke or if you want to pull double duty, whatever. But I hadn't talked about, because I'm oh, sorry, because Cody had declared for the Rumble, hasn't he? So he's going to be in the Rumble. I haven't talked about, like, I have to win this Rumble because I have to go to WrestleMania and beat Roman Reigns. And I have no problem with you almost copy and pasting 13 years ago, because 13 years is a long time in wrestling, the story of Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. 
he had to obviously without him costing Roman Reigns a title because that doesn't quite work. But have him do something to Roman that means Roman can't not face him at WrestleMania. Like I think there's absolutely story to be told there, and I think that would be a much more interesting way to get Cody his shot at Roman at WrestleMania rather than oh Cody's won the Rumble again. Cody gets to do it, and I think it is important. Like you say Cody has been so measured, so responsible, so mature in his reaction to everything. Actually, show me a crack. Show me him lose his cool. Show me him slap a referee or do something he shouldn't and then be very apologetic the next night, unlike Shawn Michaels. But show me the fact that this is gnawing at Cody Rhodes. Show me that he really does care and actually it eats away at him every day that he didn't get it done against Roman. I was having conversations today from people who who said that Cody has to win the Rumble and that it would be taken as a sign that WWE wasn't confident in him or, or that he wasn't the star that, that we all thought he was if they didn't give him that moment again. Now, I don't buy into that, but do we have to be wary? There is a section of the fan base out there who is still more burned by that Mania main event loss than perhaps we are. We've got past that. There may be people out there who haven't. Potentially, but I think if if fans aren't sold yet on how behind Cody Rhodes' WWE are, I don't know if they're going to be. Like, the man, they he came back, they put him in the biggest main event, the biggest mania yet. He won the Rumble straight away. Even though he was out for six months, he was still presented as the absolute star when he came out. Like, that peck injury could have derailed him straight away. Like, a lot of people that would have, but it didn't with Cody Rhodes. He's their face of everything. They roll him out for everything that they did like they used to with John Cena. He's their highest merch sales, apart from CM Punk obviously in the last few weeks for obvious reasons. Like Cody is their guy. Cody is the face of WWE. Cody is the baby face. Like I, I am completely sold on that. And I think obviously putting the title on him is the last thing to really rubber seal approve that, give the last stamp. But I don't think he needs to win the Rumble to get that. He's had his Rumble winning moment. I don't think he needs another one per se. Yeah, I would agree with you, but I love that there. this is probably the first year in a little while where we've got four, five, maybe six credible Royal Rumble winners where you could go in either direction. Uh, we're going to talk AEW a little bit later. I want to talk about baby faces in WWE because you said Seth Rollins is over earlier was something you said. And we've had so much chopping, changing returns recently, and it got me thinking, who is WWE's top baby face? If I, if I were to get you to give me, right, five, top to bottom, Who's one, two, three, four, five? Because I'm not convinced I know at the moment. I think Cody's number one, still. More than Punk. Yeah, because the Punk of it all is just an initial reaction. Like, I need to see Punk go to work and people continue to cheer him over a long period of time, which I know they will. But right now, I think Cody, and then your next four, in any order, are Jey Uso, Punk, LA Knight and Seth or Sammy. See, this is what I think is fascinating. This is why I think Seth has to turn, because Seth is barely, barely in your top five baby faces. But do you feel like that's taking away from us as a baby face? Like, I don't feel like we're in a crowded baby face environment. I feel like there's just lots of wrestlers we like to cheer at the moment. I don't feel like cheering one of them is taking away cheering from the other, if that I, makes sense. I know what you mean. I... I have never felt an attachment. Maybe this is me, my bias. I've never felt an attachment to this Seth Rollins incarnation. I think... But it's, it's interesting to say that, sorry. I find it easier to hate Seth Rollins because he's... It's easy to hate Seth Rollins because he's so good and he knows it. And he's 
and he's like Shawn Michaels. He's a bit like Shawn Michaels. He's really, really good. He does everything. Everything he does is things we could dream of doing. He's also incredibly good looking. He's got a great physique. He's got everything you could ever want, and he's actually really good at being smug. So it does feel like he's a natural heel. But I'm not sat here at the moment. And but and also I don't think he particularly acts like a babyface. He's not out um, playing to the fans. He's not out signing babies. Like he doesn't do the Cody Rhodes babyface. He doesn't even do the Jey Uso where he is getting the crowd going. He just at the moment, the crowd wants to cheer him. So I think, so I, I, I don't think there's an issue with Seth as a babyface at the moment, but I do think he's a better heel. Can I just say, no one should be signing babies. I got my, <laughs> I got thing kissing babies and signing autographs, isn't it? But if you want to sign a baby, sign a baby. No, don't, don't do that. Don't. Just use it in non-permanent marker. <laughs> is this what you do after rugby games when people yeah, come down babies. to the tunnel? There you sign babies. Give me a baby. Yeah, I'll just put my old signature on yeah, that. I'll sign the head. It, it's, it's, I don't think Seth is okay. Who is who is Seth Rollins? Great worker. No one's going to doubt that. Big costume. Good theme tune. What else? What else do I get from if I take away Seth's big costume and I take away Seth's entrance? What am I left with? An excellent wrestler. Yeah, and you'd have to take the entrance away. You'd ha- if you want to turn him heel, you'd have to give him different music because you can't have a heel. The 25,000 people are chanting their music. You but, can't do that. But what I mean is, does that make him a face? Like, like a few weeks back, I said, right, I am all in on Cody now. I've gone beyond that. He's really good at what he does to, man, I'm invested. Like, I care about Cody. Um, I cared about Sami Zayn. There, there were points in AEW where I was really caring about Punk or Hangman Page. Do you care? Like, like legitimately care? Or is it an intellectual thing about Seth? No, no, I, I don't. I have no emotional attachment to Seth Rollins. I have the attachment of, I know I'm going to get a really bloody good wrestling match when Seth Rollins wrestles. Yeah, he's a he's a wrestling face. I like watching him wrestle, so I enjoy him. And he gives me no reason to boo him. But he doesn't give me a reason to cheer him in his actions. Like, he's not a particularly kind character, is he? He's not particularly, like, he gives me no reason to cheer him as a face. Like, I don't think they've really made him a face or a heel. Like, the crowd decide they want to cheer him and they've given us no reason not to at the moment. They're just going with the flow with it. Whereas Cody, Jay, these people, like they, they're, the characters are giving you reasons to cheer them. Seth's just a guy who we like because he's good at wrestling. And I think that could give him trouble if they put him with Punk on the way to, to, to Mania. Because you've got, if they, if they keep him as he is now, by our own omission, He's a guy who's good at wrestling that we like watching wrestle against the hottest guy in wrestling. And that could that could make for fascinating audience reactions. It could. And do you think with how you would see the promos going of Seth would just start tearing Punk down for everything he's done the last 10 years and things he said about him and stuff, would that turn Seth heel? Or do we just be there being like, we want to cheer both these guys, we like them both everything Seth's saying is actually true because Punk did do these things. Does that make him a bad guy for pointing those things out? You know what it gives me? It gives me Rock Cena build to WrestleMania 28 vibes where people were a bit sick of John Cena. He was a face, but no one knew why because it wasn't like, okay, for kids, there was probably that investment, but not for folks of my age or your age. And then he started tearing down the rock and we saw a different side of Cena. Now, if we see coming out of Seth going towards this prospective main event, a different side, a passion, that drive. And of course he's got it in there. I'm not saying he's not got it by any means. Maybe it becomes something different, but it's fascinating to see. 
it seems as well that's the way we're going to go, doesn't it? Because you saw um, Punk's, not Punk, Seth speaking to Adam Pearce about Punk this week, him referencing like Pearce saying he wants to bring him to Raw and Punk saying you do what you got to do. But when, when he leaves a sour taste in the mouth and burns this place down, don't be surprised and I'll do what I've got to do. So I think I could very much see us having a face Punk against the heel Rollins, but the problem would be they'll have to give us a reason for Rollins to be a heel more than him just pointing out all the things wrong with CM Punk because... If you just point out the truth, that doesn't make you a bad guy. You're just referencing the truth. And you can't debate it's the truth because there's hours and hours of podcasts out there of Punk saying exactly what Seth will be accusing him of saying. We need a broken skull session or something like that. Or oh, it- my God. We need a broken... Like, if they don't... If they're not saying to Stone Cold, here's all the money, just sit down with CM Punk for two hours. It would be genius. Let's talk about SmackDown before we get on to AEW. We saw Randy Orton put pen to paper and sign for the blue brand. He's continuing his mission to pick off the bloodline one by one. He's decided, and God bless him for it, to make his catchphrase, Daddy's back. Who mm. saw that in Orton's future? Um, this is going to be a fun story. And LA Knight got a big pop when he came out to support Randy. Yeah, he did. And LA Knight is tag teaming with Randy Orton tonight, which is really cool. That's a really cool thing to do. And yeah, Keep, keep If you don't know what to do with LA Knight at the moment, keep him hot by putting him alongside Randy Orton, who, by the way, should have been on our list of faces there. Randy Orton's a massive babyface right now, which always makes me laugh that Randy Orton's a babyface because Randy Orton might be in character over the years. You look at all of his work over the last 20 years, maybe the most evil character ever in WWE. Oh, yeah. For for the last, like, forget the spooky dookie Judgment Day evil. Yeah. For, like, psychotic... For being, like, a genuine person who could do real things. Terrible human. Are you, you, he, he will break into your house. He will punt your wife. He will RKO... Yeah. He, will, he will handcuff you to the ring, punt your wife in the head so she loses consciousness, drag her body over to you, and then kiss it on the lips in front of you. And we all go... Ah, Randy. Ah, Randy. Ah, the cheeky viper's back. <laughs> Will you stop that with your daddy's home, Randy? And ah, you know... The bloody... The legend killer's back, is he? <laughs> Randy Orton is a definition of a lad. <laughs> just... Yeah, yeah. Just gets... Just, he just flashes that smile and takes his top off. And you're like, ah, Randy. What a lad. So, I mean, this is, again, where it's really interesting because Randy is being positioned as the top guy on SmackDown, picking off the bloodline. Um... It's got to be him and Roman at Mania, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, at Rumble, excuse me. Yeah, has to be. Has to be. That's your that's your big 1v1 match at uh, the Rumble. It makes complete sense. Pick off. I want him to beat up Jimmy. I want him to beat up Solo. I want him to scare the life out of Paul Heyman. And then I want to hear Roman's doo-doo music and him come out and confront him. And I think that's a really good way to bring Roman back into the fold when he's been out in a while and people could be angry about him being back. But... Who doesn't want to see Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns right now? That's big fight feel. Two of the greats of this generation. I'd be very, very excited for that. I think the promos would be great. The feud would be great. You could genuinely see Randy Orton being the man to take it off Roman. Like He's good enough, and he's spoken this week, hasn't he, on Logan Paul's podcast about how he would love to have the record for the most titles in WWE. I think he's only three off, I think. He's maybe. on 14, and I think he needs yeah. 17 to get there. Yeah, so you could see, like, so it's not incomprehensible that he could be the man to throw him Roman. I don't think he will be, by the way, but it's a genuine proper match where you could see both sides winning, and it brings Roman back in the fold well. The one thing I do need to see more of from the Rumble 2 Mania is more Roman. Like, I need to see him more frequently now. Like, well, you couldn't see less Roman. Yeah, I don't mind him 
I've come to terms with him being this special attraction. And like, like MMA fighters, not, not defending all that often. I'm, I've come to terms with that. But in the lead up to Mania, I need to see him. And they're not, not taking him to Australia. Like he's going to Elimination Chambers. You're not going over to Australia and not taking Roman Reigns. So he'll be there. I need to see him pretty consistently for those four months. And yet, if they don't take him to Australia, I am convinced we wouldn't notice. I think that is the great trick that WWE is pulling at the moment. We are not noticing the absence of their world champion, who is the third most tenured world champion ever. And you go weeks and you go, ah, there was no Roman. Okay. Yeah, and and that is testament to how well they're booking the rest of the card. Yeah. And I think that's the... I think it's hilarious that they just told us their real reason for that World Heavyweight Championship. Like, they're generally sat in the back going, Roman's not going to be here this much. We need a world title. Let's just make one. And I understand that. I just would not have referenced that on TV. I wouldn't have said, ah, this is because Roman's not here. But it's worked. And, like, having the US title be important and be on Logan Paul, that's exciting. The Intercontinental title we've talked about at length, how how good that is and how important that has become. And the women's division, there's multiple stories there at the moment. So that's on telly. The tag team division is hotting back up after going a little bit quiet. It did for a little bit, but that's hotting back up. It And also, even, like, we're not missing the bloodline that much because the Judgment Day just stepped right into where they were. They're like, oh, you need a really hot heel faction. Yeah, we can do that. So it is testament to WWE that Roman being away isn't making the television worse. Just him being back makes it better, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I'm going to make a bold statement now. We are living in an era that is bigger and better in every way than the Attitude Era. Wow. That is an enormous thing. That's going to make a... Some people will now not be listening. There'll be people who've just stopped this and will never come back to our podcast again. Bigger crowds, bigger money, bigger brands, bigger names, bigger endorsements, better matches, more consistency in what you're seeing. I think we will look back in 15 years and someone will have come up with a clever marketing name for what this is. And we will be saying this period right now is as good, if not better than the Attitude Era. I don't disagree with a single thing you've said. The only thing I'm going to ask is, and I know I know, I make age jokes a bit, but I'm genuinely deferring to you being that little bit older than me here that you, I don't remember living through the Attitude Era. I wasn't watching them. Wrestling then, from what I understand and what I've seen, was so, so in the public eye and a part of popular culture that people were talking about all the time. I don't disagree with anything you said about it being better, there's bigger crowds, more money, all that right now. I don't think there is that ferocity of fandom in the popular culture that there probably was in the Attitude Era, and that is the only counter-argument I can make. And, and you may be right about that, but does that negate for the other stuff? And maybe it's because, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but because of the Attitude Era, we take it for granted that a Roman Reigns is on the Tonight Show or whatever it may be. We saw Undertaker, you know college football, at that big college football event not too long ago with the belt. We They've got podcast. They are everywhere. They are, mm. maybe the Attitude Era was, it felt different that they were pulp culture and now we accept it and yet it's going above and beyond. And I think as well, the big thing is social media and the the death of kayfabe is probably a big thing in this now. Like It's not unusual now to see Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins or John Moxley and Ray, Renee Paquette putting their family photos on Instagram. Like You see these people's lives now, whereas before, if if The Rock 
or Hulk Hogan or Stone Cold were on the Tonight Show, you're like, oh my God, I might get to see a little bit of the person behind the character where you didn't see that before. So that has probably negated our excitement of seeing them all the time that we're just so used to seeing them. And also the Attitude Era... It was wrestling was very very stale, and then Eric Bischoff came in and broke the mold for what wrestling could be. He literally shook the the snow globe, and wrestling looked different. Okay, we've not had that, so there's not that. AEW didn't come and change entirely what televised wrestling was, but if you accept that the formats are basically the same, the fact it's even a conversation we can have shows how lucky we are. Oh, hugely, hugely. I completely agree with that. Poor old AEW. Because yet again, they're towards the end of this podcast and they're doing good stuff. And the spark for for us, I think for many others, not everyone, is just not there. And that is not their fault at the moment. But let's talk about what they're doing. Montreal this week for Dynamite and Collision. And we had a first time in a generation match. Christian Cage squared off with Adam Copeland for the TNT Championship. It wasn't an angle as I thought it might be. We got the full match. It was a good match. We'll talk about the ending in a bit, but just for, for the men, for, for Jay Raso and Adam Copeland, the people, what a cool moment for them. Oh, they must be pitched themselves. Twenty Over 20 years after they had their first match in WWE together, they're main eventing a weekly wrestling television show for a title against each other. Best of friends in real life. Their careers could not be more intertwined on television if they tried for their characters. Just just the best the best you can't you can't quite imagine how happy this will have made those two men do you have someone like that in rugby who you could picture coming full circle and getting to play a game with you know you're not at this stage in your career but you know a few years down the line when you're like right my last run in rugby i'm getting to play alongside my best friend yeah it it, it won't because he's already retired but i'm the world knows my best friend's tom hudson we played together at leicester played together at gloucester and then he finished his career as player coach while I was captain at Amptil. So we basically had a lot of responsibility at Amptil together. And that was very cool. Like it had its challenges, but it was very cool to be able to do together. So yeah, it is. there's nothing better than having friends who you get to then work with and be successful with. It, it's, it's the best fun. And it's so rare. It's so rare they get this. So congratulations to them for getting it. We saw Shayna Wayne betray Adam Copeland and sign with Christian Cage. That's Nick Wayne's mum. Uh, that shows this storyline has still got a while to run yet. If you're going to give the match and a finish, there can only be Christian Cage winning. That can only be the way. Yeah, the, for this to keep going, Christian had to win. I think this ends either the next match or a third match with Edge winning the title. I did, not Edge, sorry. Adam Copeland winning the title. I thought the match was very fine. It was It was okay, but you could tell it was going to be the first of a few. It's strange, isn't it, that that match we're going, it was fine it was fine. I, I I, have to agree. I have to go and be honest. You would have expected that to feel bigger, be bigger, more build, more oomph to it, promo packages. I don't know what you do, but I feel like it's like where you get a good meal, but you know there were the ingredients there to make a great meal and the chef just didn't put it together. This is where I think AW with their model have maybe hurt us off with having so few pay-per-views like straight away a match being a main event of a pay-per-view makes it feel more important than a match main event of a TV show. So I think that's where, and they obviously AW have gone with this model where they have huge television main events because they only have four pay-per-views a year. So you have to have huge television events. And I get that, but this wasn't even the main event of a specially called dynamite or anything like they're like winter is coming or any of these other dynamites they've done. This was just a run the mill dynamite. And I felt like, this match was so huge, the reasons we've just spoken about it. It probably deserved 
to be the main event of a special dynamite, if not a pay-per-view. So the way you present things are so important. If you present things as in, as being important, we as fans go, oh, this is important. And I didn't feel like this had any more importance in its presentation than any other match. Let me ask you this. What was the most important main event gut reaction this week? Was it Seth and Jay? Was it Christian Cage and Adam Copeland? Seth and Jay. And there we go. That's that's it, isn't it? You know, and I get they wanted to do it in Montreal, but I just feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity. I was glad to see Hangman Adam Page return to Dynamite for the first time since that gruesome death match with Swerve Strickland. Uh, tease tensions backstage with MJF. I'm a big Hangman guy. Good to have him back. Get him into the world title picture. Use him to his max. Yep, couldn't agree more. We like Hangman on this podcast. Get him in there. He's main event level. He's main event talent. I want to see him in the round MJF. Absolutely. And uh, we, man, AEW just needs a spark. It is, mm. It's got everything there. It just needs a catalyst to pick it back up. And I was talking to someone this week and I was trying to work out where things went wrong, if that is the right word, where AEW got cold. Was it before Wembley and Wembley was the outlier? Adam Cole's injury. Yeah. I think I think we were go back and listen to our episodes if you haven't already. And if you have, go and listen again. Look at me being a good broadcaster. Well done. Um we were when I was in Australia, so back end of August, in the lead up to all in, all we could talk about was better than you, baby. And it was long-term booking and it happened at Wembley and they were the tag team champions and it was so hot and it was the be- it was the best story in wrestling at the time. And because of that, everything else in AEW was getting the rub of it. You were enjoying other things in AEW. And then Adam Cole, completely out of Tony Khan or anyone in AEW's hands, got a horrific injury in the most innocuous of circumstances. It's it's just, you couldn't write what's happened to him and subsequently to the company since, but it just took the wind completely out of their sails because they'd hit gold. They'd hit absolute gold that none of us saw coming. None of us would have sat there and said, this is your money. Adam Cole and MJF is a tag team. You That's did, though. Money is. You did. You said that. Only once they'd shown me it. Okay. Once they put them together. No one was sat there clamouring for it before they showed it. And once they did it, I was like, ah, this could be really good. Because I like odd couple tag teams. I've always been a fan of them. I, like um, like us? Yes, exactly. I like Team Hell No back in the days, one of my favourite things ever. But because they struck gold with that, and I don't know whose idea it was to book it in AW, it was a masterstroke. It just seems like we're like, oh. And it just took the wind out of everything. I, I don't think we can overemphasize how much of a bad, I was going to say bad move, it wasn't a move, how much bad luck Adam Cole's injury, the timing of it was for AEW. I think that's bang on. And I think you get a one-two punch. I think you get probably Wembley and the punk stuff didn't yeah. help. And that leaves a bad taste. And then Cole, and then they're scrambling and... And, and then they've just not got back. And it's so unfortunate. It's We see it in sport all the time. You have a top-level striker, whoever, banging in the goals. They get injured and everything else goes downhill. And I really want AEW to be great because great AEW is great for everyone else. Yeah. Um, is Before we move on, mm. can I just do two things quickly? First of all, NXT deadline this weekend is going to be really good. Iron that's Survivor good matches. Show. Yes, that's going to be a really good show. But while we're on NXT, really rubbish for Wesley. Yeah. Rubbish. It seems like he's got a genuinely very serious injury that is going to need back surgery and keep him out for eight to 12 months, which is horrendous because he was just starting to find his groove and was doing some great work. was really, really fun to watch. So I hope he gets... Also, back injuries can be real issues. Like we've just seen Randy Orton out for 18 months. 
with a back injury. He's a young wrestler, just finding his feet in NXT. So we hope he gets surgery, gets good recovery, but just a word for him and for NXT. Yeah, NXT is really good. If you're at a loose end, watch uh, their, their premium live event, uh, which is coming up. And it is because it's you... a takeover. It's sorry. a takeover. It will always be a takeover to me. Sorry, I'm sorry. But, you know, again, in WWE being back in the swing of things, NXT, who would have thought when a couple of years back, we'd be going, do you know what? Yes, we miss black and gold. We're never going to stop missing it. But this version of NXT, pretty good. And I think only better things in 2024, because I'm convinced now they've got a new t- TV deal. They're going to be out touring arenas, and that is going to make it feel... Get it out that sound stage if you can, and it's going to feel even bigger. Also, could you imagine in the Attitude Era, if someone had told you that the two lead members of DX would be booking all of WWE's creative, and it would be going brilliantly? I mean, but they booked a lot of their creative at the time, though, you see. This yeah. Is, but, well, look, we got to wrap this up. Let's do uh, back to developmental and earning the push. Something we love, something we hate, everyday life, unless we fancy doing a bit more wrestling. We sometimes bend the rules. What do you want to do? I will go first. I'll be quick. Mm-hmm. My earn the push was on Sunday. I went to see Morgan Wallen, Country Singer Live. Oh, yes. And he was sensational. He put on a great show. Uh, loads and loads of fun. Love my country music. And also... Uh, it was my sister who got me into country music and I went with my sister and it was really nice to spend some time with her and actually her partner as well. So that was really fun. So uh, Earn the Push to Morgan White was his first show ever in the UK, first show in Europe. And I hope he comes back and does lots more because he was really good. So You had good is... seats as well, didn't you? You could sort of look him right down. We were in corporate hospitality. Oh, for goodness sake. Because my sister plays for England, who are sponsored by O2, and it was at the O2 Arena. Oh, well. Goodness so we sake. were, we were. Yes, I wasn't going to mention it because you brought it up. Because my, so yeah, earn the push to Sarah for being an England rugby player and getting me corporate hospitality tickets. Well done, Sarah. As well, well done, Sarah. If you could do that next time, money in the bank swings around yes, for you too. Well, well, genuinely, that's the next thing I'll be asking when the next come back. Um, and my back developmental is I might have done this before on the show. When I get run down, I get when I get a bit ill. If anything's stressing me, the way my body reacts is I get ulcers. Oh, and I have. Five currently. So if I've been speaking weirdly at any point, it's because I have four on my lower lip and I actually have one at the back of my throat at the moment, which is causing me excruciating pain. I've gone through a tube of Bongella in the last four days, um, which I'm not, which I, th- I don't recommend to do, by the way. I think there's a guidance to how much you're meant to use, but I've just been lathering it on as much as I can because it's so painful. So um, yeah, don't don't do that. There's definitely no, guidance. Please don't do what I did. That's why I lost my hair at 20. We'll say that. Um, but yes, also, there's no proof that Bongella causes you to lose hair. Let's say that as well. Jack's looking at me like, just shut up. You're going to get us in trouble. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in here and say, say for the makes of Bongella, use it responsibly. Don't do what Charlie did. And no, it didn't make Charlie go bald. And no, you shouldn't use a whole tube. And, and any, any, any reference to your product we've just made in the past two minutes, please disregard. It's a fine product used in moderation. So ulcers, yeah, ulcers are rubbish and they're going back to developmental. Right, I'm going to save you here. My back to developmental is Christmas shopping. Love, uh, Yeah, no, such a ball ache, isn't it? Lo- love getting Christmas presents for people, love doing it, hate being into... And my particular bugbear Christmas shopping is the wrapping paper. There is m- oh. money to be made from someone who gets you a better bag to carry the wrapping paper in because it always flops around, it's banging people on the pavement, it's terrible. You know who I hate are those smug people who are like, Oh, I do my Christmas shopping throughout the year. I was done by August. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Shut up. I don't care. I saw something at a county fair in summer and got that for Laura this year. Oh, 
I'm sure Laura will be over the moon, but I couldn't care less. They're the people who have a Christmas cupboard and you look in it and they're also, I tell you what they've got, they've got all their wrapping paper folded from years gone by. Oh, and- losers. <laughs> God, we are. Losers. We, we're coming in hot at the end of this. Yeah, I'm getting, it's, I won't lie, Jack. It's because you reminded me. It's the 8th of December, and I've done precisely zero of my Christmas shopping yet. I did finish mine today. but uh, oh, wh- oh, what are you moaning about then, man? All online. All online. <sighs> uh, and earning the push for me is a visit to the Turkish barbers. I've been to the Ooh, barbers nice. today. I was going to say, you're looking smart. I just love how they don't care what you want. They will do what they want. <laughs> This is going to look good. Shut up, I'm going to do it. Not only that, but they've got all their bells and whistles and their tricks they do where there's suddenly there's fire around the ears and then they're flourishing the cape to put on you. It's like being at a magic trick where you are the trick. So just made me feel good about myself. So I'm giving my Turkish barbers the push. Um, Look, before we wrap up, quick one. Has anything changed your mind about whether it should still be Cody and Roman in the main event of WrestleMania. Has anything you've seen made you think Punk should slot in? If The Rock's music hit on SmackDown tonight, would you be saying Rock against Roman? Or are you as set as set can be, it's Cody and Roman? I'm absolutely sold on Cody Roman. The Rock Roman is the only thing that would ever interest me because there's just so much unique storytelling potential there that you're never, ever going to get anywhere else. But for me, your two main events on your two nights are Cody versus Roman and Seth versus Punk. I don't think you're going to find two storylines, two matches better than that. I would agree. And I think if you can get those right and you can build the rest of the undercard around it, I think this uh, this coming WrestleMania could be an all-time WrestleMania, arguably the greatest ever. Yeah. I'm going to say it again as well. Open night one with Gunther versus Brock Lesnar. Just give me 15 minutes of carnage to open the first night. Well, we had we had Brock against Omos this past time, didn't we? Well, that was an it somehow wasn't bad. Yeah. By the way, where's Omos? I have no idea. Actually, I haven't thought of his name for a long time. Here's another, by the way, and then we will wrap up. If you don't believe the Lesnar g- genetics are real... Oh, my God, I saw this this week. Brock Lesnar's daughter has just won, I think I'm right in saying, a state shot put... She broke the record, didn't she? I think it was Colorado State, I think I saw. And you look at it, and she could shot put the moon into the sun. Mm. She is a strong individual. So yeah, I reckon WWE would be looking at her being like, oh, I think you might be coming to NXT. Also, AJ Styles is back tonight, and that's exciting as well. Right, and on that, we are going to wrap up because it's been a busy episode. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe to uh, us wherever you're listening today. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on the socials. I am Jack underscore Murley. We'll see you again next week. For this week, we are out of time. So until then, enjoy. Enjoy your rest of the week and bye-bye.